Before we take off, our season one competition winner was Mitch King. That's K-E-I-N-G, Mitch. Reach out via email or Instagram to claim your prize pack from our legendary season one sponsors, Hybration Organics, Kingdom Coffee, Board Racks, and Mr. Simple. Now, not only are our season two sponsors offering some amazing prizes once again, huge prizes this season, but I will be offering an all-access pass into the Talent Ascension program via the TAP Advance for you or your son or your daughter. What is the TAP Advance? There'll be more for that after the show. Okay, good morning, g'day or good evening and welcome to the Map Life Podcast. I am your host, Simon Williams, founder and high-performance mindset coach of Motivation and Performance Partners, where we're growing greater athletes and talent in our Talent Ascension program, which I'll let you know a little bit more about later on. But for now, get ready for an action-packed season two. I have so many epic guests this season with so many incredible insights, tools, and strategies to add to your life, both on and off the field, that I'm bouncing out of my seat to get this thing going for you. So let's go. Okay, my friends, on today's episode, which is the opening of season two of the Map Life podcast, we have absolute legend, my good friend, travel, lifestyle, surf, snow photo journalist, Guy Willamette. This episode is fantastic. It's a bumper one to open up the season. Guys had covers on Surfing Life, The Surfer's Path, North Journal, Carve 25. He works for some of the biggest brands in the country. He's confronted some of the biggest animals on the planet, wolves, bears. And can you imagine the fears and anxieties that one must face when faced with a beast like that? And today, in this episode, Guy goes into it and into the other parts of his life where he's overcome fears and anxieties. He talks about his epic project, A Corner of the Earth, and the potential of A Corner of the Earth 2 with his good mate and our good mate, Spencer Frost, over here at MAP. He talks about his involvement with School for Life Foundation, about force versus flow, what he's come to realize are the most important things in life the deeper meaning, the deepest meaning, his preparation tips for any photographers out there. And we also go deep into what is next for the big fella. So sit back, relax, enjoy my conversation with Guy Willeman. All right, audience, uh, today we have the one and only, the one and only Guy Willeman. Travel, lifestyle, surf, snow, photojournalist extraordinaire and one all-round absolute legend. Um, This is going to be an incredible conversation. Uh, You'll have to mind the chings and clings of the coffee and the cacao that we've prepared. We're doing this from my beautiful home here in Avalon and and Guy's home in Avalon as well. He's an Avalon local. And I guess what I want to do to start with is open up on the question of freezing temperatures cold wetsuits again and again and again in your film a corner of the earth maybe not why but how how do you go about getting into those cold wetsuits over and over again it's winter now and i'm struggling to get into one that's semi-dry so run me through what goes through your head and how do you continue to do it and then ultimately why do you do it 
Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> Why do we do it? Um, simply, I love it. I love feeling alive and I feel most alive when I'm out of my comfort zone and one of them is being the cold. So in place like where we went into Iceland, chasing waves in an environment like that was just mind-blowing, like aesthetically so beautiful and just in constant awe there. And then having a camera there to be able to capture it and showcase what we were doing um, makes putting on the wet wet too pretty easy for me. Easy. That's not a word that I expected Um, because we're talking freezing temps. Now, for you guys out there in the audience, uh, Spencer Frost, episode two, uh, the director of the film A Corner of the Earth, guy here was the on-location camera – no, I would say photojournalist for that entire project that I've got the book behind me actually in my uh, my bookshelf Um, and it is stunning, visually stunning but just knowing that uh, going into all those extreme weather conditions, all of those extreme sort of situations, how much courage it takes, how much dedication, determination, um, it's it's an it's a mind blowing experience for you, I'm sure, because it, for us as an audience, it was just as as epic. So, again, when you go out there, I understand it's there's a real drive. You love being outside of your comfort zone, but what what is it? Because you know, for many people in the audience, comfortability is, is their goal. So, why is your goal outside of that comfort zone? I think that's when I grow the most as a person. That's what I've kind of learned over the last few years. Is that for me to be the best version of myself, I've got to keep pushing my comfort zone and getting out of what's familiar for me. Um, Yeah, that's where most growth happens for me, definitely. And I guess the cold is such a environment where that growth happens because you're so uncomfortable and especially being up there and putting on the freezing wetsuits. And I guess the the reward after it too, when you've pushed yourself to the limit of what you think is capable and what you think your body's capable of, on the other side of that is just this amazing feeling and then I guess putting together the photo book you get to look back at what you've done and very proud of like what we achieved and what we pushed our bodies through and but yeah I think for just being in awe for me that pushes me my body to go through something I didn't think it could whether that's the cold or anything Mm. else like that so it's that sense of awe that moment of spark in the soul where you see something experience something that potentially no no one has ever experienced because that moment is isn't yours Mm. and that moment between you and nature which you capture so beautifully that's yours and that's yours forever and you and is that that spark that little flame flicker is that what you're is that what it's all for yeah i i think so i think um the cold for me is a way of expanding who i am as a person and the camera allows me to share that through stories where like for someone that's not on the journey with me. And I think creating moments that make people go, wow, is um, what, what I'm trying to do with my work. And when you reflect on the photo itself, so you've been in the experience, the 360 experience, sensory overload, that awe moment, as we said, the firework in the soul. When you capture it and you look over it, do you still get that same sense that you did in that moment? I do. I think a lot of my work is based around the moment in time and everything that goes around to capture that moment. Like I'll use living in Avalon as an example. Like last week we had an amazing swell and I just 
I have to be, I feel like I have to be part of the action to capture a moment that I'm after. Like shooting from the land doesn't do it for me. Like I have to put in time and effort to create a moment that I'm proud of. So, yeah, and then on that trip, there was so much effort that went into every photo we got. It was full immersion. Like, there's a photo there, but for me, it's the story behind capturing that photo. And then a lot of the time, you don't, like, as an audience review, you you don't know what went into that shot. But, like, we've driven seven hours through the night. We're putting on seven mil wetsuits. It's negative 15. And what the viewer sees is a photo of someone surfing with a mountain behind them. But for me, it's so much more. And that's kind of what I want my work to represent. Like it's just, it's the photo itself, but it's also the story that goes into it and the work that no one sees to capture that moment. And I and I really do think there's an element, just with the success of um, you know the F1 series on Netflix, uh, the anything behind the scenes where people get an understanding of you know there's a that lost oh not lost sorry. Uh, alone on SBS mm. people going out into the elements pushing themselves as you said mm. the in, in terms of like the I guess the growth ladder in terms of comfort fear learning growth you know you're pushing it all the way out to that zone um, people love witnessing the behind the scenes of how things come together and I think there's a real opportunity somehow somehow in potentially uh, in a corner of the earth too um to have a making of as well as a making of. Definitely. You know, yeah. I would absolutely, it'd be almost one of the things that, it, I don't know which one would be more popular. It would be an incredible experience to see what you guys go through. Um, and especially in, in, in places like Iceland, places that are, and again, they're remote corners of the earth where you've put yourself into the thick the middle of winter, everyone's like, don't go in the middle of winter. That's ridiculous. No one does that. Three hands go up. Let's go and do it, right? Yeah. And it's that moment of we're doing it to the moment you come back that there's a definite, some, some real story in that. And I said, as someone of your quality and caliber of, of photojournalism, I think there's something in that for the next one. And, I, and I'm, I'm, um, I'm just trying to stoke the fire here plant the seeds because i'm really excited hopefully that comes to fruition yeah for sure yeah go ahead yeah i completely agree with the behind the scenes thing i think there's so much amazing polished work out there nowadays and i think as as a viewer of photography too i want to see what goes into getting a photo like in free solo um with jimmy chin like i think that was just the best example of you know there's obviously alex honnell who's climbing and then there's the story about how they're putting the film together and how crazy it is for the filmmakers on the wall, you know, not to disrupt the climb and how they're going to capture in the most like organic, authentic way. And the emotion of, you know, being attached to the subject mm. as a friend and as, as a, you know, as a client in inverted commas, but that attachment, that emotional attachment, that's storytelling. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. There's, there's definitely um, room and definitely an opportunity in, in that space. And I think that, with, as I said, with someone with your quality of work, um, you know, we're talking about someone who's got magazine cover after magazine cover in terms of the photography. But like you've just said, the zest or the the, um, the spark of inspiration, the love of the game, so to speak, comes from the setup, the preparation and getting that preparation right which is funny because off microphone we're talking to you were just like the least prepared person of all time. You very much go with the flow. But 
I, I almost would extract the beg to differ on that one because it's in that preparation that you exceed and excel and become, you know, a, a, you know, one of the greats above just being good. It turns into work of greatness. And it's interesting that when you potentially when you step away from the work that you want to sort of dust the hands of any kind of preparation, if that makes sense, because when you're actually in like, okay, I've got to have my head on a swivel here, we're actually on preparation is the key. And this is where you feel like you're most alive. Mm, I, yeah, I totally agree. And I think looking back now, I go, yeah, I do prepare actually. Like even um, I saw you one day when we just finished rock running in the pool underwater. So just to, to train our breath hold. Um, and I think it's like, they're the things that people don't see what we get up to. It's like, you know, you're training for your breath hold or running on the beach every day or getting in the ice bath every day. It's like constantly training. Cause I'm beginning to learn that the process is the journey too, right? Like you've got to fall in love with the process. Even at the moment I've caught myself this week, I'm becoming a bit impatient, mm. like, and I'm just trying to get to that end goal. And I've really got to like, take a step back and be like, Hey, like, this is it. Like where you are right now is part of the journey and is part of your story so don't just like try and fast forward to the end goal because like you're in it how do you and how do you do that specifically how do you know because you're obviously having three to four to five days off in inverted commas off it's never really off but <laughs> a, um, a bit of a break from the intensity i should say in terms of all the work you do so how do you switch the gears down in your mind to go it's okay to rest it's okay to chill it's okay to not do and be everything that I can possibly be and just enjoy the moment. How do you do that specifically? It's really tough for me personally. I think because I've, I've got goals and I've got things that I want to achieve, but you know, some days you've really got to take a step and slow down and just become grounded again. And you don't have to be like achieving everything on this day. So like this morning I woke up and I had a meditation because I was feeling a bit anxious, you know, and it's like, let's slow down a little like enjoy today be here now like you've got your goals and that's cool but like a big mantra for me this year has just been patience mm. because like i think as you get older well as i've gotten older i guess there's this like thought on becoming successful at a young age it's always been in my head like and i think i'm just going through that like you've got to put in the work to get where you want to be and like age is just a number it doesn't really matter so it's like for me, slowing down, a big part of that is meditating and also the ice baths. And yeah, that's, they're pretty much my two biggest sins on really just grounding myself. So meditation, ice bath, that allows you to sort of drop into the breath because they both just focus on breath. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a performance coach the other day and with a uh, PT uh, gym owner and we were discussing how at the moment with this kind of, I guess this decade being the mind-body connection decade, how sleep and how breath are the new food and exercise mm. and how important it is for in terms of our physiology, our regulation, our upskilling, our up-leveling. And it's been something that everyone's foregone for so long. Sleep, you know, being one of those huge things that people, you know, that's the first thing they'll sacrifice if they're trying to succeed when it's probably the first thing you need to hold on to, mm. you know, whatever that is for you, six, seven, eight, nine hours, whatever it is, anything probably below or exceeding, that's probably a bit too much or too yeah. less, but there's a, there's a juicy number for everybody. Um, and the breath, you know, it's, and I love the fact that it's coming 
so much into fruition in society, you know, through, you know, one of my clients and one of the ambassadors for MAP, Johannes Egbert, smashing the breathless stuff. He really introduced me to that stuff a couple of years ago. Uh, and I know you guys are right into the Wim Hof, you know, the breathing, um, but the, the breath itself, it just what it, I guess what I'm figuring out and I'm trying to sort of extract from you is like, what does it actually do for you? Because obviously the monkey mind is going around. You want to, you really want to push forward and achieve your goals. You know, you've got so many great goals ahead. What does the breath do? For someone, because this is for the audience, for someone out there who's never done breath work, what does the breath do for you when you're like, I want to power forward, I want to move forward, I want to achieve, I want to be successful? What does the breath do? It just slows me down. I feel like a lot of the time I've got these two minds in my in my head talking to me and one is this loud, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the other is slow down, be patient, like trust the universe or whatever you believe in, you know, that you're putting in the work and, and your moment will come. So I think breathing for me just really slows down my system and I kind of just begin to trust what's happening now that I'm on the right journey, I'm on the right path and that I don't have to keep forcing it. Like, Just written that down. Yeah, like yeah. When, I, when I pull back on myself and look where, look where I've come in the last few years, I'm like, you know, really proud of what I've achieved. And a lot of the time when you're in that really fast tornado-like mind, you don't get to see that. And you're just next, 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 what's next? What's next? Like tick that goal off, yeah, what's next? Whereas like the breath work I do, it really slows me down, kind of connects me to my soul in a way and my intuition. Like I'm I'm making decisions based off like not feeling. off fear. Yeah, mm. off feeling, not fear. So like I think the ice bath for me, having the breath in there, it's like I was always, I've always been an anxious person. And I think for me, like being in that fight or flight state a lot of the time, like whether it's on a stressful job or like a client doesn't like the images that I've given. I just used to just go into this really like hot state, panic, fast breathing. Whereas now I've got the breathing technique to really slow my system down and be like, hey, it's not the end of the world. It's all good. Like gives me some perspective. And just even like, I usually just do four seconds in and eight seconds out. If I'm in a hot moment, feeling stressed, just three long breaths of that. and I just feel so much calmer. And even like, I'll use the example of like being in big waves, shooting in big waves and then having the ice bath there. It's been like amazing training, like when you're in that fight or flight just to breathe through it. Cause like, you know what it's like when you get in the ice bath, mm. everything in your body has been like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? This isn't good for you. And the mind just gets so loud and you've just got to slow down and just really take some long, deep breaths. And it just like really grounds you mm. and you're able to push through what you didn't think you were going to be able to push through. So that's been the biggest thing for me. It's like breathing is just slowing down the system, like not letting fear kind of take over your mind and just, yeah, slowing down. All right. The legends at Hybration Organics are back for another season of the Map Life podcast. And we're stoked to continue promoting their growing range of super high quality and highly potent medicinal mushroom based products. Cacao elixir powders, mushroom extracts, and now a game changer, protein powder. The crude hybration organics have taken it up another level. All killer, no filler. Hybration organics are hands down, hands down, the best quality and most flavorsome medicinal mushroom products on the market. And that's why Matt loves them. They're honest, truthful, influential, and essential. 
essential for upgrading our bodies at a cellular level. So with that knowledge, go and get your hands on as much as you can by using the code MAPLIFE25 at checkout and you get an obvious 25% off anything and everything you buy. That's www.highbrationorganics.com.au to upgrade your performance today. It's great that you mentioned, you know, following the feeling, um, or we should say acknowledging the feeling, because that feeling may be fear. It may be something that is alerting you, and your body's just giving you the signals that it needs to stay safe and, and well and, and alive, right? So ultimately, in those moments, though, where, you know, fight the fight-or-flight mechanism comes to fruition, and it just goes alert, alarms, 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 if you're out in the surf, is it the same breath technique, four in, eight out? Or is there a way that you've, another technique that you've learnt? Because, you know, when you're looking at 15-foot bombs about to land on your head, it's going to tumble you for 30 to 6 seconds to a minute. Um, taking a 12-second taking a breath may not be available. So <laughs> Yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah, it's different. It's not the same. I don't do that in the surf. I think... Well, I, I use the breathing technique, another technique to just slow down the system because when you see a 10-foot wave about to land on you, my mind just goes into panic straight away and that's the worst thing you can do when you're in the water. Like you want to be staying calm. So I'll usually just take a deep breath in and just get all the dead air out of my lung. So there's no wasteful air in there anymore and then a really deep breath in and then a subtle breath in. I try not to fully fill up my body just because I feel like, I don't know, there's too much going on in my system when I do that. So it's like, get all the dead air out, take a deep breath, let it out, and then breathe in again if I've got that time. And that keeps me like personally really calm. I don't know what the proper technique is, but just through my experience over the past two years in shooting waves, that's that's what helped me a lot. But it's like, the breath is just amazing and that it could, you can overcome that fight or flight just through breathing. In a few seconds, like it's mind-blowing. The first time I did an ice bath, I got in and I lasted about like 25 seconds and I freaked out. Like, I just was like, no, nah, this isn't for me. Like, these guys are tripping. I don't care about all the health benefits. Like, screw this. And then a few weeks later, I went back and I was like, I've got to overcome this. And got in again and that fight or flight, that panic, just get out, get out, get out. And just through breathing, like, I was able to overcome that. And that's like so empowering. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If anything, just to, tr- to push past... The fight or flight fear mechanism, even if you don't catch your breath for a minute and a half to two minutes in the bath, just the 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 mindset of being able to say to yourself, I overcame something that told me to do something else, that is that that's where the worth is. And then you get the cherry on the top when, when you actually do it over and over again, you get back in and focus on how the breath controls the mind or the breath controls the physiological state. You know, when we breathe in, it's that there's actually the mechanism of chemical is the adrenaline that comes through, which is why the Wim Hof stuff is so great. And then when you exhale, like you said, the reason you do an eight-second exhale is because that's the part where you can just get mm. real slow and grounded. And there's a really great practice after you've done those things is to think of something immediately that you're grateful for in those, you know, one, two, three, however long, how many mm. you do after Wim Hof. You know, I've got the prime times there that I do after I do my breath work and my meditation, I get straight into the gratitude practice uh, and the goal setting and stuff. And it really, like, it basically, because the neurons that 
come from um, movement from new breath in the brain, basically you've got to give them a purpose, right? And if you don't, they kind of just sit there waiting for something to do and they can latch on to fear and they could become fear-based neurons or whatever. So ultimately, if you get a chance in that moment, you go, okay, hey, new neurons, your purpose is hold on to gratitude or mm. hold, your purpose is hold on to excitement and inspiration and goal setting or, as you know, simply looking out the window from your house and seeing you know south ave cooking yeah you're like wow and then the neurons just continue like a flower bed they just continue to turn that mind into something that's just a lot more fruitful and a lot more flavorsome and a lot more i guess um progressive than Mm. it would be regressive um and I, i really want to encourage people who are listening you don't have to go out there and smash in an ice bath but even jump in a cold shower 30 seconds off and on you can turn it off and on you know, just and when you, as you heard Guy with his breath, it was ju- he literally showed you guys how to do it in through the nose, out through the mouth, just catch your sit. It's almost that's what they say with catch your breath, you know, and get in there, get in the cold, catch your breath, right? Otherwise, because as Guy was saying, his mind was going mental, like it's almost like a racing, racing, you know, cat. I don't even know if that's a thing, <laughs> but. <laughs> It was going crazy. And then the breath just got it back. And you take control. And, you know, talking to Tommy Carroll about his Vedic meditation, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, that, and you've just mentioned that action and reaction module, right? So, if, or mode, if you're just reacting to everything in life, you get to the end of your life and you look back and you, you're going to, there's no reflection. There's no ability to have planned, to set a vision, to achieve anything because you're continually react, reacting. The breath, which is meditation, I guess there's a, a moment which you can grow between action and reaction. So something happens externally and you need to react. You don't have to basically react through conditioning. You can react through reconditioning. And that space is, is grown through meditation practices, breath practices, ice bath practices. And it almost gives you that matrix-like effect, you know, when Neo goes into the slow motion something bad happens or someone cuts you off in traffic or there's a 15-foot wave about to land on your head, the practice, the preparation's already been done, right? You just go into that matrix mode where you go click, okay, breath, and all of a sudden your mind's going slower rather than faster into the panic. It goes chill. We've done this. We've been through ice bars. We've been through Iceland. We've been through all kinds of craziness. We got this. Mm. And then tumble town. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) but all of a sudden in your mind, you're like, this is fun or this is I'm relaxed I'm saying concentrating on where I'm at and that preparation is something that can be done in your shower it can be done on your couch with meditation it can be done and this is the thing I want to I want to highlight for people is that these techniques that, that the greats like guy are using in the water in you know minus 15 minus 2 in the water these can be done you know in in your couch wherever you are or in your in your lounge room these are things that you can adapt and adopt to then just become better and to do more, be more with your life, with whatever you're aspiring to do, or even if it's just to come back to being a bit more grounded in gratitude. Um, I I guess we should continue on. We could talk about breath and ice all day. Um, <laughs> but um, I really wanted to obviously give you a big shout out on um, the latest magazine cover with Letty for uh, Surfing Life. Epic. Um now, you've had three, four covers, Surfing Life, The Surfer's Path, North Journal, which we both love, Carve 25. Um, for every surf photographer, the cover is the mecca, right? So first question, 
again, how did that feel when you got, I saw it, I saw a video of it, but I want to, I want you to explain it when, you know, you guys presented the cover to Letty. Um, and then what continues to drive you to get more of them? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it back a few years actually, just to, to start this. I remember when I first picked up a camera and I thought like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this as a career? And I remember looking at, um, a cover of a surf magazine and just going like imagine getting a cover you know imagine being one of those guys and then fast forward to a few weeks ago and then it kind of came into fruition and that was a really special moment for me just because yeah i kind of had a flashback to those initial thoughts when i first started taking photos and it just seemed so far out of reach but then you look at what you've put in between and yeah it was a proud moment to do it with one of my best mates was um really special like we've been shooting together for like a year properly now like every week we're going out and we're, we're shooting together um he rides for rusty so that he does that for a job and so when i'm in between shoots or work we'll um go out and try get waves and like there was so many days where we go out and shoot and come away with nothing like and me and letty always say this like you know you got to put in the time and like we were saying before you know enjoy the process in between that end goal because like that's what makes it so for us like I had someone tell me the other day how lucky I was. You're so lucky. You're always in the spot. And it made me laugh because like they don't see the times we go out and come out with nothing. They don't see like the the 10 sunrises in a row that we go out and don't link up, don't get a shot, getting up at 4.30, driving down to the beach, like finding different spots. Where's it going to be good? Getting nothing. So like for that shot that we did down the South Coast to, to all come together, and then end up on the cover was really special. And that was Letty's first cover. And yeah. yeah, to do it with one of my brothers was was pretty epic. And then when um, one of our best mates, Spenny, he brought it up as a poster on the headland and he'd surprised Letty and I. He got the whole crew together up there at Classic Coffee and kind of came out around the corner with the big poster <laughs> of the cover. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Tears, man. It was, it was tingly when I saw it online. It was absolutely like you could sense that it was a, a real meaningful moment between like as you said brothers mm. you know um and i've experienced things like that in my own life where it is the goal achieved you know and this is what i want to bring it back to you've you younger self you know potentially five ten years ago whatever it was probably ten sees the cover and is like it's too far off it's way too far off but something must have sparked within you for it to become what it's become mm. you know like the other month so can you remember what was it something where you just wrote it off or was it something like oh it's too far but i think it was definitely too far but <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um i think like like everyone we've all got like self-worth issues right like you know are we good enough like is my work good enough to get a cover and a lot of the time like it'll be no 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 and then like something deep down, I'll be like, come on, dude, like you got this, believe in yourself. And I've got that, like, it's deep, but sometimes it speaks up, you know, you're worthy. Like you've put in the time, you're putting in a lot of the work, like you, you've got this. And then when you're working with someone as talented as Letty, like there's an opportunity there for like a relationship to work together, to shoot together. And then this to come out and, you know, to capture a moment that ends up on the cover. It's really special, but yeah, it's, um, deep down self-belief I guess too and like I, I actually wrote it down on New Year's Day this year 
me and my girlfriend Em, we did some journaling and it was goals for the year and one of them was Australian Surf Mag cover. Ah, yes. And I, I did that last year too, actually. And I remember the day before, so on New Year's morning, I looked over my 2019 goals and that was one of them and I didn't get it. And I remember being like, oh, okay, that sucks. <laughs> like, and then I, I remember writing it down again and being like, yeah, you know, write it down. Did you feel different? I actually felt more um, like less self-belief. Like, do I write it down this year? Because it didn't come to, didn't come, it didn't happen last year. But you did. I did write it down. Because there must, so there's something deep there. There must have been something really deep for you to go, no, nah, dude, like you said, you got this, man. Write the, yeah. the fuck down. I think like, I just quest, why not? Like a few years ago when I picked up a camera, I was so like, because it's what I wanted to do. Um, I went traveling, I took a camera on the way and I loved it, came home. Some people hit me up for some prints and I was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, this is the first time I've made money doing something I really love. Like I was just digging holes, gardening before that. Um, And then I kind of didn't tell, I told Em, I was like, I think I'm going to try and pursue this photography thing. Sorry. Um, It's emotional. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to try and pursue this photography thing. And then I remember being really scared to tell my friends that that's what I wanted to do because like I'd just gotten a camera. I didn't even have a camera actually. I took my sister's camera on the trip. Um, But it was a goal I put in my head. And the more I shared it with people, the more like people around me was like, yeah, dude, like sick. Like, you know, and that's when I started being like, why not? Why can't I do this? Like, I don't want to look back in 10 years and think, I should have done that Mm. or like I should have worked harder or I should have taken the leap of faith. Like, so I stopped gardening and somehow lucked into a few jobs with mates. Like Spenny kind of got me in with the industry, a few guys in the industry and got connections. I was assisting quite a bit and then lucked into a few jobs. And then that's when the self-belief grew. And then that's when I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, yeah, I've got to do a heap of work. Like my photos, looking back now, my photos were horrible, but I loved it, you know? Like, and that kind of drove me and I was like admiring so many other photographers work, looking what I love in their work, doing online courses. And that was like the beginning of, you know, writing down goals on paper, like the beginning of last year. Yeah. My work probably wasn't good enough to get covers like a whole year of work. I'm getting better and better. So I wrote it down this year again and you know, like it happens. So it's just like, yeah, it's really cool to look back on and see the journey to here, but still it's like. It's funny because you get the cover and then my mind's like, okay, what's next? Like, what's next? So it's like taking time to appreciate what you've done, what you've gone through. It's the Mandela quote, you know, like you get to the Pega One mountain and you realize there's a whole range of other mountains (laughs) you want to, you want to climb. Totally. I mean, in the talent ascension program, we've just finished, um, self-efficacy. We're looking at cultivating confidence, self-confidence and part one being self-efficacy, being the belief that you can achieve what you believe. So ultimately there's a self-efficacy is is having the belief that you can achieve something Mm. that you want a goal a vision um and with vision obviously you know the vision when you set a great goal or a big vision or something ultimate for yourself like a magazine cover that you know as i said when you're a kid you're like this is way too out of my league but you know the fact is that a vision has to excite you and it has to inspire you, right? And then you align those two to the one point, which is the vision point, right? So you did that, but then that can cause overwhelm, right? <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, because you don't have the strength, you don't know how to do it. 
I know I want it, but then I don't know how to do it. So the strategy, and that's where what you've just said in terms of the last year, the vision was still there, but potentially I still don't know really know how to do it, but you worked it out. You set the strategy in place of getting up at 4.30, getting ready and going and going and going and getting better and getting better. The strategy was in place. So at the start of this year, potentially the powers that be are like, no, this dude's ready. He's put the time and he's put the preparation in, in terms of the pyramid, preparation, execution, enjoyment, reward. You've done the prep and you were continually to do it and you were happy to do it. So therefore the execution just perfect, you know, yeah. gifted moment. Because that's the thing with nature photography as well. You might have the greatest rider and, and you, the greatest wave, but if the sun isn't right mm. or the, the the cloud comes over in that one moment, it's just not the same shot. Yeah, you know, obviously you know, but the reward was there because you did all the work and because you'd set the vision and it excited and inspired you. That was the difference. A lot of people who set visions, it's not big enough, or if they if it does overwhelm them because it's too big, right? They they pull back. And then they go, you know what? I don't believe I can do that. Mm. And that all of a sudden, that self-worth, that self-critic that says, I can't do that. I don't believe I'm worthy of that. Then that whole mountain comes crumbling down like a house of cards and you've got to start again. Whereas, as I said, for people out there who are listening in terms of self-efficacy, one of the it's quite actually a little bit easier for people that have achieved things because you can use your past wins to cultivate that efficacy. I've done it before. I can do it again. I've done it before. I've done it four times now. I can do a fifth. You know, what's next? And it's almost sometimes it is harder to do the first one because you haven't got that big win to look back on. So what people can do, though, is look at other wins that they've had and use those as confidence. Look at small things you've achieved or other things you've achieved to know that that's within you to go and get. And I dare say that, as you said, that there was jobs that you did where you went out there and you were like, you know, you're excited about the work, like you said. And you look back and the work's not the greatest, but the fact is, is that that was the preparation. The fact is that you went out there and you're like, I had a goal, I've got to do this job to the best of my ability. You did that for the best of your ability at the time. And at that moment, bang, the goal sparked. I did it again, I did it again. Pass, win, pass, win, pass, win. So using those past wins to cultivate that confidence is a massive, massive um, element of going on and achieving more and more and more and scaling the Everest that we're talking about. So if what I wanted to jump in now with you, if we're talking about our Everest, because you're definitely not capped where you are. There's going to be some intense and incredible growth. But as we go higher on the mountain, the acclimatization becomes tougher. So have you set a greater vision for yourself? And is it a clear vision or is there is the clouds hovering over the top? What's your big vision for as you move forward it's pretty clear um i mean end goal i want to climb denali in alaska in the next two years so that's kind of where i'm at now like don't get me wrong i love surf photography and shooting surfing but my heart's always been with the mountains and i love being a part of that side of the world so the at the start of the year um i started rock climbing quite a bit um and did my first kind of big multi-pitch with a friend about probably six weeks ago now and that's kind of lit the lit the fire in me to kind of get into some bigger bigger endeavors in the mountains. And my mate Justin, who's he's climbed El Cap, um, he's done a few big mountains in New Zealand, and he kind of mentioned at the start of the year that he's going to do Denali in 2023. And I was like, all right, I'm coming. So that's kind of at the top of the list at the moment. So it's funny you're talking about um like the planning and like when you have this goal but you don't have a system to get there. Like yesterday, I I did some journaling 
and I wrote down, you know, like, what's the goal? It's like Denali. Okay. It's like, I get overwhelmed with how is that going to happen? But I, you're right. I look back on the things I've achieved and I go, you know what? I can make this happen. Like, what have I got to put, what are the systems I've got to put in place? So like, um, I'm actually meeting up with my friend, um, James today, who's at one point was the youngest Australian who's climbed Everest. So it's just like reaching out to people with connections. Alan? Yeah, James Yeah, Alan. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get him on the podcast yeah, at some point. Yeah, so I'm meeting up with him Thanks in the and just <laughs> going through gear and what I need to start doing for training and planning and stuff like that. So yeah, that's my goal in the next few years to do that and just keep keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone, but, but also being, you know, be here now. That's another, you know, be here now in this moment. Like that's the goal. I keep saying it, but enjoy the process. I'm telling myself that too. <laughs> um, and then we've got a few trips coming up. We're going to do a, a corner of the earth too. Mm. So we're just trying to... Is that what it's called? We don't really... We don't know yet. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to go up to some cold places of the world again. Um, mm. And like you said, like have a big part of that's going to be the story behind it and, and getting there and the surfing, obviously, but everything in between too. Um yeah, I just want to keep pursuing adventure photography. I think I'm just trying to expand my what I'm doing at the moment, which is more based around surf and that kind of lifestyle and more into rock climbing and snow and mountaineering kind of things. Um, so what are the steps to get there? Just expanding my knowledge in those areas and experience, like going to do like an alpine mountaineering course this year, trying to get over to New Zealand, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but there's one in Jindy that I've booked into in August. So it's just like, yeah, little steps now on how to make Denali, you know, happen and survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but not a, yeah, as you said, but thrive. Cause, yeah. um, I dare say you're going to have your camera with you, um, which is going to be epic, but, um, yeah, the whole idea of, you know, like you just said, in, in employing systems, like have a system or be a victim basically. So in that vision now, which is, it's massive like Denali in for anyone in Alaska, um, their highest point uh, and the most be one of the most beautiful mountains in the world, but one of the most gnarliest climbs in the world. The idea of, as you said, the vision set and now everyone, whether the goal is Denali or whether the goal is to implement a meditation practice for the week or the goal is to get the a position of employment that's above the current position of employment. That being the vision, that being the goal, you've got to break that down into stages like a climb. Um, and then once you hit each stage, you can reflect and you can ask yourself, okay, am I going on the most direct path? Am I using the, you know, the, I guess the best of my ability, the best skills, the best support network? And then you, again, you're acclimatized to that stage and then you push again. I mean, Everest has got like eight to 12 stages or something in a climb. And that's kind of what every goal has. I mean, the smaller the goal, the more limited amount of stages. But for something like Denali, it'd be great that when you sit down with James to kind of break that down into a timeline. Mm. Um, We've been doing a bit of work with some of the guys in the program. You know, their goal might be to become world number one. Their goal might be to to play in front of 10,000 people. But if you continue to think about that every day, one – the strategies are, are in, aren't really in place for you to do that. You got to break it down to the to the point where it's almost like, okay, what am I doing this week? But if I do X, Y, and Z this week, right, then that means next week I do A, B, and C, and then D, E, and F, and you, you go along at each point of the, uh, at each point of the climb. Now, 
that means you don't have to focus on A, B, C, D, and F because you're just focusing on X, Y, and Z. And when you tick those off, you already know because you've planned that if you get all these letters of the alphabet, you're going to get to the top and you're going to be at the top of Denali. And But most people just see the fact that they've got to climb a mountain or they've got to actually figure the alphabet out in one whole push. But it's, it's you know, do in small incremental stages. And then... The other thing that people also forget to do, which I'm not sure, and I'm going to ask you whether you do this, is celebrating your wins. Obviously, you did that with the, the cover. Um, but do you have a practice, a weekly practice, where you reflect on the wins that you have? I don't. I, I think organically it happens sometimes during a meditation. Like after the cover, I had a meditation. I was just, you know, it was saying thank you, and I was so grateful, and I ticked it off the ticked it out of my journal for the goals this year and I was really appreciative but I think that's really important because I I catch myself a lot jumping from you know getting the cover and then what's next like already jumping onto that next thing but like you were just saying it's breaking breaking it down into little things like to the next goals um I did a really scary rock climb a few weeks ago um that was like 280 meters vert and like you was, I was thinking about that what, with what you were saying. I remember looking at the wall and just thinking, there's no way I can do this. Like that is so high, so out of my reach. Like I'm not very experienced and the guys I was with were really good, but they kind of, I was way out of my comfort zone, pushing my limit. Um, that was my Everest for the day, right? Like yeah, totally. it was so hectic, but the only way I could get through it was literally one, one step at a time. Because when I looked at it as a whole, it was so scary, so terrifying, like so exposed, like I'd never been that high off the ground, just hanging on like vertical wall by a rope. Um, and I got to the top and I remember just like during it, it was one step at a time, like one grab at a time, like one pitch at a time. And when I got down, I just had, oh, I felt, yeah, incredible. I was so exhausted, but like felt so alive, so appreciative for everything in my life. And there was, yeah, I had a meditation the next day and it was coming back to that, just like gratitude, appreciation. But now we're talking about, I'm like, I need to do that. I'd like to do it once a week, you know. Mm. What are the things am I grateful for? I went to um, Uganda last year working for... Yeah, the School of Life. Yeah, School for Life. School for Life, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, I think um, talking about gratitude and being grateful and having the practice to appreciate what you've got in your life is so important. And after that trip, um, I was just in... Probably for two months, I was just so grateful for my existence growing up in Avalon, like, you know, it's a lottery where we, where we're born, where we grow up, our, our opportunities that come our way. And a, a little backstory, we did a story in Uganda about this girl called Diana, 15 year old girl there who attends school for life. And we kind of followed around for about five days and saw what she did on a daily basis. And she'd wake up at four o'clock. She'd wash the house, wash shoes, broom the front deck of her little mud shack. There's six of them sleeping in like the tiniest room like pretty much on top of each other um she'd walk an hour down to their well with two 40 liter cans of water back up to the house go to school which was another hour and a half walk and she's there's she has to walk through this this forest and there's you know men that hide in there and rape these these girls um she goes to school she comes home she does another water run then she works at the store at the front of her house and just sells like little packets of chips or just little bits of food and then goes to bed and that's her life on a daily basis. And she was the most beautiful girl, like no different to you and I, had goals, had dreams, had aspirations, 
but that was her that was her situation you know and she was doing the best she could in that and i remember coming home from that and just thinking if diana when diana gets an opportunity she's going to seize it and like i look at myself and my friends and we're lucky enough just to be surrounded by opportunity right and like i just remember thinking if if an opportunity comes my way i need to seize it and i need to be ready for that moment because if she had she had the opportunity to get what we get given she would just like you know take it and run like there'd be no stopping her and i was we did the two-week quarantine when we got home and i remember people being like oh it must be so hard it sucks and i just said this is the easiest thing i've ever done i've just been hanging with these kids who have nothing and smiling laughing just like the little wins in them is just so big the filmmaker on the trip george he um on the last day we were at a shop and he just said to diana go into the shop and get anything you want like we got you and she came out with three plastic plates for her family and she was crying she was so happy and we were just like oh my goodness you know this is like her winning the lottery right now she comes out with three plastic plates and we're like no diana like go get more like you know get whatever you want she comes out with like a little yogurt and that's it that was like that was everything for her and that was just like even looking back now it's crazy but the state i was in when i came home from that was i was just full of gratitude perspective too you know looking at my life and saying, okay, don't waste the opportunities that come your way. Make the most of it. Okay, guys, when it comes to protecting your eyes and the sensitive skin around them in the raddest way possible, Electric's signature melanin-infused lenses and styles do it best. As a feature in all of their sunglasses, melanin blocks 98% HEV blue light, provides crisp vision, and a heightened level of protection. I mean, designed in California, Electric is rooted in and inspired by the Southern California's rich music, art, surfing, snowboarding, and active lifestyle cultures. Now, the legends at Electric are putting up a pair of sweet frames for our season two competition, but if you can't wait that long, visit electriccalifornia.com and get 20% off and free shipping to Oz and New Zealand by using the promo code MAPLIFE, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, at checkout. And while you're at it, check out their super cool Instagram page, at Electric, for all of the Southern Cali vibes you can handle. So what's changed? I think you get caught in the rat race. For me, for sure. Like, for me, Instagram, social media is such a big, like, constantly comparing comparative narrative comparative narrative same old story you know that's a big one for me like because you're seeing you know what it's like you're seeing people live this perfect happy lifestyle and probably my work does it too you know like i don't post stuff when i'm not working or if i'm like i don't post bad photos from shoots that i don't want to be doing but it's like you're constantly comparing to everyone else's perfect lifestyle and i get personally get caught up in that pretty easily what hasn't been explained to a lot of people is that social media is advertising, mm. right? Like most people's social media aren't, it's not about them, it's about what they do. It's not who they are. Um, and to understand that people are going to market and advertise the best parts of them unless the, your, your direction or goal is to advertise the worst. So 
when people compare themselves to what's on Instagram, it's like, okay, don't compare where you are when you're on there flicking through it when usually most people are scrolling when they're not feeling 10 out of 10 because when you're feeling 10 out of 10, you're not on fucking Instagram. Mm, Totally. You're out doing what you love, right? So in those moments where you're flying high, it's like, the, the comparison is, is, does this person's life compare to mine when I'm a 10 out of 10? And the answer is, no way. But because of the way it's built like a flipping um, poker machine, it's so, so addictive that you get in there and it, and it attracts you when you, you're in states of you know boredom, states of silence, um, when in actual fact, the best of, you know, best creation comes from boredom and silence mm. and, and states where you, you shouldn't be anywhere near your device. Yeah. So... The other thing too is like you talked about um, exposure, you know, her, what an incredible young woman, like oh, just, just mind blowing, as you said. But the the fact is, is she has been, ex- that's what she's exposed to in her mind, her brain, her, her, you know, her physiology is kind of wrapped up in that process. And as I said, even three plates and a, and a yogurt, that, that to her is like your magazine cover mm. just through what you've been exposed totally. to right so i think it's i think it's important for us to gain perspective no doubt about it. i think it's important for us to be grounded in gratitude and to support as much as we can but i also think like if you are lucky enough that it's not a duty that you need to achieve anything take the duty out of it it's the beauty in the achievement it's the beauty in being able to go after a goal like you just said mm. Don't see it in terms of, I come from one of the most beautiful parts of the world, so I should be, right? I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Other people haven't got the opportunity because it's never, that's coming from their mind. That's never coming from a deep place. You know, it's got to come from, it's not a need, it's a want, right? And that's the thing about exposure and it's the thing about, you know, the desire. Desire has got to come from a deep place to tap in in those, those quiet moments and that's what we, I guess we're going around to here is that in those quiet moments, it's like, ask your soul what it wants, ask your soul what it needs, you know, ask your soul what it wants to express. And most of the time you're going to find an answer that takes more courage than anything you've ever looked at and, and ever, ever seen before and even expressed in your own life. And I think for people to, to understand that no matter where you're from, if anything is seen as a duty, you're missing the point and you shouldn't be doing it. Hmm. It's, it's trying to find the beauty in every situation, whether it be, you know, providing small tokens of gratitude for, for incredible young women or whether it be, again, getting magazine photos, climbing Denali, whatever it is. If it's in touch with the soul and expressed through the heart, that's living. Mm. But if it's all coming from the head, you're, you're missing, there's no, it's heartless, it's soulless, you know. It's just coming straight from the mind to the mouth. So we're living top down rather than bottom up. And I think as the more we can encourage people to get into that that bottom up approach, you know. And again, I liken it to like a, a film set. Whereas if the director is the soul and the actor is the heart, the producer is the mind. It goes and gets shit done, right? If you give it the right jobs. But if the director's the mind, right? Then as we said, and it just comes out and he's just yelling at people and bossing people around. The film that you're about to see is a very heartless and soulless experience. So it's important for us to just try and encourage everyone that we've got to dig deep, to ask them, you know, ask the question, because most people haven't been asked the question, what do you really want? Like, what's deep down there? You know, and how can I help you achieve it? You know, and all the way up in, in the vision model, 
the bottom, the baseline, as the triangle, as the mountain, as the triangle gets higher and higher, the triangle just gets smaller and smaller. But the bottom line is always G, grounded in gratitude. So as you ascend to the top, stage one, stage five, stage seven, stage 12, if you can, again, ascend and just ground yourself in gratitude before you make a step forward every time, that process is going to be so much more enjoyable. Like you said, focus on the process and the result take care of itself. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, so that's, how did you get involved with the School of Life Foundation? That's because um, obviously there's so many charities out there and opportunities for people to, to support how and then why School of Life? Yeah, um, I work for a production company a lot called Brightworks and they'd been over, they did a film and story last year or two years ago now, sorry, on um, School for Life and they'd met Annabelle Chauncey, who's the founder of the school. She's a Sydney girl. She's got an incredible story, actually. Um, she was a lawyer and was going down that path and, you know, she got in touch with her soul and her purpose and went, this ain't it. And did some charity work in Uganda and then saw they needed help. So, you know, she started the school. Like that was her end goal. And she went, how do I make this happen? Opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So she has, you know, incredible story. But yeah, we we got in touch with her and she contacted me and said, would you like to come and um, shoot the trip and take stills and document the journey and that we'll share with, you know, through our media platforms and our fundraising night. And, and I was just like, wow, yeah, what an opportunity. Um, so we flew over there for about eight days just at the start of the the COVID outbreak. And then, yeah, that was just a life-changing trip. Yeah, it's an amazing charity and I sponsor a kid there now and so does my girlfriend, Em. And they just, I think it's amazing because there's, it's just the school and Annabelle kind of lets the, the teachers who are all local um, kind of run it. There's not like a, nothing wrong with religions, but you see how it can get in those places if, you know, a Catholic or Christian school comes in over there and builds, you can see how it can cause some troubles. And I think it's amazing that she's kind of just created a space and then kind of let them run it now. Um, and yeah, it's amazing to be a part of, and you see where the money goes and what it's doing. And it's an amazing school. They get fed. Like a lot of the kids don't actually get, get to eat at home. Like they're, you know, living in poverty. So the only meal they get is at the school for lunch. Um, and they've just created a woman's boarding school now for 300 girls, which is, it's amazing. They were saying like, I think 90% of the girls have never slept on a mattress before or like turned on the light. They don't have electricity at home. It's, yeah, it's just creating opportunity for these girls there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's truly amazing. And it's reminding me of um, one of our common buddies, uh, Toppy, Tim Borum, um, in one of the North journals, which you've been on the cover of, he was mentioning uh, and thing about minimalist living and I just in, uh, basically started doing that right and, I, and then I read this thing and it was like this almost like this universal message to sort of say yeah man this is the right way to go and and the reason I bring it up is because less is more ultimately you, you know your things start to own you like the fight club you know um, quote you know they, they, they basically start to own you because they own your energy and you can sense and you can see here that that having more shit doesn't necessarily make you happy. Um, but having meaningful, you know, things and things that give your life meaning and then how you can become more meaningful to others, which is, as is the story of this young woman, is, is incredible. 
because the things that she did was very meaningful. She had meaningful things for her and she was obviously supporting her family, which is meaningful work. Um, that in, in a sense is very, it's very simple, but again, simple is beautiful. And if we can encourage, I guess what I'm trying to encourage, I'm sure you'd be the same is encourage people to simplify and become more minimal in the things that the, the you want. Like you said, Denali, that's the thing I'm doing. You know, it's not Denali and it's not this and it's not that. There's things that are on this on the way to achieving that. But ultimately, it's got nothing to do with, um, I guess, tangible items, right? It's got to do with soul desires, not mind desires. And then, again, s- surrounding yourself with like-minded people, surround, which is what you do beautifully because the crew that you've got here is so supportive. Um, and like you said, when you were going in, you wanted to get that magazine cover. It was like people were going, yeah, man, you should go and do that. You should go and do that. It's incredible and how important it is to what voices you allow to infiltrate your mind to get into the soul. Because obviously, if you've got uh, a support network around you that's encouraging, which just means putting courage in you to go and do the things that you want, encouragement, then obviously that's going to support you getting from where you are to where you want to be. But that's not to say if you haven't got the support network that you can't do it it just means you've got to generate your own courage right and courage doesn't exist without fear and as we go back on what we talked about in terms of the comfort zone leading to the fear zone if you get confronted by fear and you turn back you're just reminding your body that you're not worthy like you said you're not capable you're unable it's that moment where you push through the fear and the mechanisms that you have whether it's self-efficacy, which we've talked about, whether it's breath, whether it's you know any um, you know just having practiced, gone through tough periods, all of a sudden you go into the learning zone, and then we get into that growth zone, which is anyone can do that, but you have to confront the fear with courage, and fear comes from the soul. It doesn't come from the mind. For me, it comes from the soul because that's where courage comes from, and they're two sides of the same coin. It's just which side you're looking at. So if you've got fear, you just want to flip that over and see the opportunity. Mm. So, okay, I'm afraid here. I understand I'm afraid, but where's the opportunity? And, and the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to become more, do more, be more is on the other side of this fear. So you need to push through that and, you know, start with a small step and then grow into sort of, as you said, grow into a sprint or a climb, which is what you're up to yourself. So reflecting on life for you specifically, I mean, we've gone through a few things, but I've just mentioned minimalist living being one important thing for me. What about yourself? What are the important things in life for you? I think like you were just talking about relationship and for me surrounding myself with a, a core network who's supporting me, my dreams and where I want to end up is so important to me. Like I really struggle, not really struggle. I find it a lot harder and more challenging when it's just me, like getting up at five o'clock and going shooting. Like if there's not, a deeper meaning there like it can become hard like you can you know you can snooze your alarm you know and constant snoozing and like but when you're surrounded by a group of friends who are feel invested in you and what you're trying to achieve i find it really really empowering as a person and like at the start of this this photo journey i remember like i kind of mentioned before started telling people that's what i wanted to do i was so scared to share you know to to put it into words like I want to be an adventure photographer. To say that out loud was so scary because what if I fail? Like you were just talking about fear, like fear of me trying and not succeeding and ending up back in gardening. Whereas like at the time there was like, if I just keep gardening and like convince myself that I love it, 
like at least I won't have to deal with failing. Like I don't have to put myself in that situation. And I was just like, nah, stuff that. Got to tell people. So Spenny was like, one of my best mates, Spen, who we've mentioned, who I did the trip with, he was just so supportive. He's like, yeah, dude, like do it. Like go for it. And that's when I was like, you just, I just needed one person to believe in me and believe in my vision and go, you know what, dude, like you can do this. Why not? And because he'd done it. He was one of my best mates who's kind of, he's probably like two or three years kind of ahead of me in his film when he was chasing it. Like he stepped into that and just, you know, did such an amazing job from the get go. Like, but he took a leap of faith, you know, and that like, I didn't have experience of taking that leap of faith, but I saw one of my best mates do it and it paid off for him. So that empowered me to go, you know what, I'm going to try the same. And then sharing it with people, people want to see you succeed. Like my group of friends did anyway. And they, they put me in touch with people who could help me reach my potential and reach my goals. So like back to the question, yeah, relationships for me and who I surround myself with is really, really important. And then like we've already spoken about having a daily practice and something to ground myself and to slow down because the, like we were saying before, the, the overwhelmingness of like your end goals can sometimes be a bit too much for you to, to comprehend and handle that you kind of just shrink back into your, your fear-based self. and shell. Yeah, into the shell. So yeah, I think relationships for me is a big one. Okay, team. I've partnered with some amazing brands again for season two, and I'm super excited at this partnership with Project Blank, an eco-friendly wetsuit, hardware, and lifestyle brand founded on conscious, honest decisions and blends quality and affordability with environmentally considered products. As they say, the only footprint we want to leave is on the sand. So when you purchase from Project Blank's epic range of products and use the code MAPLIFE at checkout, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, you're not only assured your choices are environmentally conscious and friendly, as you'll already be contributing to their charity partners, Ecology Forests, Ecology Climate Projects, and the award-winning Seabin. But PB, Project Blank, have given us 20% of every order to distribute to MAP's own charities of choice. So, MAP will work with a different charity partner, and with thanks to you, the MAP Life audience, we will collectively support the organizations out there offering nature a helping hand to heal. Our first charity, being that one of our early guests on season two is an ambassador of, will be Protect Our Winters, the leading climate advocacy group for the winter sports and outdoor community. They are a collective of over 60 million across the 12 countries who speak out, show up, and act against climate change to ensure the protection of our unique alpine playgrounds. The Australian chapter of POW launched in 2018 and seeks to mobilize the Australian winter and outdoor sports community, of which I am a part of, to take positive action towards climate change. So, with all that said, go visit projectblank.com.au and buy something eco and epic for your next adventure outside. Do good, feel good, go blank. You discussed failure and success, and obviously there's an NLP quote, motto, that's no failure, only feedback. So... If you can't fail, and this is what Moses Henrique said in season one, he said he, when he was at the height of his depression, I shouldn't say height, the depth of his depression, it was all about the fear of failure, the fear of failure, the fear of failure, and it crippled him. He started hating what he did. He hated playing cricket. He hated making 
what it gave him, his lifestyle, just wanted to, as you said, crawl back into the shell. And then he was encouraged to see, encouraged, which is incredible, to see, have the courage to fail, which is what Jordan, Hamilton, all these legends have, is is in the moment of when it, the game's on the line, is turning that fear coin over and saying, you know what, this is my opportunity to be great. And if I, at worst, we lose. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know, so there's an opportunity there to push through that fear into the learning, into the growth zone, which is where you find your purpose. You don't find purpose in comfort. You find it in growth. And so getting into that moment where you can push yourself, right, to have the courage to fail, the courage to fail, because as we said, there is no failure. If you fall, you figure out how to get back up and you learn, right? So no failure, only feedback. And I love that because it's like a motto that everyone should be reminding themselves of having the courage to fail and there is no failure because as i said if you learn from it it wasn't a failure right but then success and success is a huge topic it's a huge i guess word is loaded very loaded um is success for you relationships or is it a combination of a few things oh that's a that's a big one success um Yeah, I think no, success isn't relationships for me. That's part of my journey to success and whatever that term means. Um, I've kind of seen firsthand how, you know, I'll use my father as an example who he grew up in a really poor family, um, didn't have much opportunity. He strived really hard at school to kind of better his way of living at the time and he wanted to be uh, go into orthodontics. He got, I think, 93, like, ATAR in year 12. wasn't enough, so he repeated. Got 99 the next year to get into orthodontics. Um, he, I don't know how long that Just degree was. Just dogged determination. Yeah, you know, he was so driven to succeed in that world, that realm. Um, and fast forward 20 years and he'd become a success. If you showed him as a kid, this is what you're going to end up. This is where you're going to be living in a millions-dollar house on the on Paradise Beach, um, and then to see that success story, just it wasn't it, you know. He woke up one day and goes, "Damn, I chased the wrong, you know, success story." And yeah, he he kind of went down the direction of drugs to try and kind of, you know, feed that that soul with what's more, you know. I thought this was it. He felt cheated. He worked his whole life to become a success story and. You know, it didn't play out the way he thought it was going to play out. So I use that as an example. Like when I decided to, you know, give up gardening and stop working in the surf store. It's like, you know, what are you trying to achieve here? What's what's your end goal of being, you know, the term successful? And I kind of was just like, I don't really know, but I know I like traveling. I know I like being in nature. That's when I feel my best. And I like being surrounded by friends in nature. And I like taking photos. That was kind of the next step was how do I make this, you know, part of my passion, my journey to be successful in this world. So for me, it's like no relationships aren't success to me, but they come back to helping me towards my end goal. And I guess success for me, if you ask me in 10 years, like, how will I be successful? I don't know. Like, I want to be able to travel I want to have amazing relationships with my girlfriend, M, family, friends. 
ideally like I'm chasing these, you know, accomplishments, whether it's to get to 10 magazine covers, but like, or like climb Denali and that'll be a moment of success. But it's like, I, I don't really know what the term successful means. Like, it's like a deep happiness for me, inner happiness. There it is. I was yeah. about to say success is in things, it's feelings. Mm, yeah, it's a feeling for sure. And I think not getting caught up in, that's why I'm quite, I don't know if careful is the right word, but having these goals, I know that's not going to be it. I know I'm not just going to wake up one day or be at the top of Denali and become like an enlightened being. Like I'll come down and then a few months later, I'll be like, okay, what's the next thing? Like maybe it's Everest or like K2, like, which I don't really want to do. That sounds <laughs> terrifying, but you know, it's like appreciating those little wins and knowing that, yeah, it's the inner work that's really successful. You don't need much. Like you don't need a summit Everest to be successful inwards, you know? So I think I'm quite aware of, of that in terms of like reaching goals and ticking things off my list um, that I don't really need to tick those things off my list to be successful. Like it happens inside, but at the moment that's where my calling is. It's I'm getting called to climb Denali. So I'm going to follow that, follow that feeling, follow that intuition and see where it leads me, but also just appreciating the now. I think that to me is, you know, an element of success. You know, if you're talking about feeling success, it's like hearing the call of the soul and, taking it Mm. and saying i hear you let's go and do something about that that's success feeling grateful for what you're doing and being able to do that that's success it's they're all feelings you know because as you said potentially with your old boy your father he got everything that he'd always dreamed of but it was a donut existence it was hollow in the middle because the soul hadn't spoken it was all the mind it was all the comparative narrative it was all you know wanting to get out and you know fair play you know, as I said, dogged determination got him to where he wanted to be, but it wasn't fulfilling. And we talk about the donut existence, but we also talk about the second mountain theory. That first mountain being what we're after is chasing happiness. And if we achieve it, we're happy. If we don't, we're unhappy. Very personal, very selfish or self-centered. And it's not wrong. It's just the first mountain we attempt to climb. So it's self-centered. And then when we come down, we realize happiness isn't the goal. It's the byproduct of the journey. We go, well, what, are we go- what are we doing? <laughs> What's life all about? And there's a transition period through the valley. Now, it can either be a valley of transition or if you're unhappy, a valley of shadows. And a lot that shadow experience can either be you know, drug-related, it can be depression, it can be all kinds of anxieties um, or substance abuses. But there is, there's that everyone goes through the valley until they come out of the valley. You know, fingers crossed that they do with a great support network, like you said. And they realize, oh, there's another mountain here. And I understand now that it's not about external. Like you said, it's internal. And that mountain is of moral joy. It's of service and of fulfillment. And when we talk about fulfillment, things outside of us, we can't put them in us, apart from food, water, breath, oxygen. We can't put our record player or whatever it is inside of us. So therefore, fulfillment comes from feeling. And what things that we do in our lives that create our moral joy which is a joy that is only not only for us but inspires and expressed to others it's that cycle from the heart what are the things that we do because you've got to do something that create that feeling Mm. gratitude going out at 4 30 in the morning being grateful for that chasing a goal having relationship having a beautiful partner that supports you cultivating epic relationships all of these things that create feelings within us that's the goal 
right? And every ascent, ascending step up that goal to the peak, it's a never-ending peak if you're being of service. And as long as you're being of service to self and others, your goals and other people's goals, support your own, you know, be your own best friend and the best friend to other people who are trying to achieve successful things, then your ascension is endless until mm. the day that you pass and you can reflect on your life and go, I'm higher than I've ever been. And as you said, the process is where the joy is, right? The process is where the focus is because the result is I feel great all the time. And obviously there's moments in that journey where you're going to be challenged. There's moments, but seeing challenge is an opportunity or you're going to feel frustrated, but then frustration is just the not having the answer to a problem that needs to be solved immediately. So you upskill, you go into that learning zone, you go into the growth zone, and then you stop being frustrated and you become better, right? So it's this, incre- I mean, rounding off this conversation in terms of these theories and applying models that have been that are out there you know obviously personal development models that you're literally have applied to your life either without their knowledge or just through because and this is the thing about personal development stuff everyone's saying the same thing right potentially there as i think they say there's an elephant in the house and you're just looking at it through a different window right so if we're all saying the same thing we're all after the same stuff and it all comes down to how you feel about who you are what you believe in and what you're doing. And I think if you can cultivate gratitude and excitement and inspiration about those three things, mate, you are, that's success, hmm. right? Um, and reminding, and I've written this down, that it's a, that, that following a deeper meaning, that life, a meaningful life comes from a deep space, not from the mind space, it comes from the soul, from the gut. Your gut will tell you when you're doing the right thing and your gut will tell you when you're doing the wrong thing. So if it feels good, you're doing good. And if it feels off, ask the question, reflect. What's going on here? Why aren't I feeling... You, you might get halfway through the Denali push mm. in terms of the strategy up and you're like, it's not feeling it. You know, My friends did that. They went to the scale the second or one of the highest mountains in South America. And I think they literally got to the mountain and had lost the, jo- the vibe for it. Turn around. Mm. Didn't, didn't climb. Right? Got to listen to that. Right, and that's what Jeremy Jones, one of my all-time heroes, does. I mean, he'll climb to the top of Alaska to snowboard down, and if he gets to the top and he's like not feeling it, he'll walk down. It takes him hours to get up there, mm. you know. But that's the difference between life and death. I'd be between coming alive and staying alive, and being dead inside. Yeah, I think um, the analogy what you just used with Jeremy is so important. Like in all aspects, you've got to listen, listen to that gut feeling, and. I question, you know, how do you get in tune with that deep intuition? And something I struggle with sometimes, like in the heat of the moment, is intuition versus fear. What's what, you know? And that's something I'm trying to work on at the moment. Is like distinguishing between the two. Can you explain that or unpack that? Because I'm interested. Intuition versus fear. So let's say you get to, I get to Denali halfway up, and I don't sleep well that night because I'm really scared. Because, you know, fear of death, it's huge for everyone, pretty much. It's like, I'm aware that there could be an avalanche on Denali, like something way out of my control. That's going to be in my head the whole time. If I'm not, like, clear with myself and I'm not feeling in a grounded state... Keep going. Yeah, like, fear is going to take over me, right? And I'm going to, I could get confused and go, hey, guys, like... I'm not feeling this because yes. fear's taken over yeah. and I could confuse it with my intuition. Yes. Going, hey guys, today's not the day. Like we got to bail. 
like irrational thinking. So it's like putting yourself in a place where, because yeah, like we said before, like fear is the killer of dreams. Like what's my goal? What's my dream at the moment? To climb Denali. But it's like on the day, that could be my intuition. It could be, hey dude, like something deep down going, there might be something happening today. Like, you know, question where you're at. And that's like why Jeremy's still alive. Like, because he listens to that feeling deep down. Like maybe nothing was going to go wrong that day that he climbs for hours and hours and doesn't decide to ride down. But yeah, like sometimes you've got to take the leap of faith. Like, like we've already spoken about today, like going into the unknown is where we, our growth happens, right? I've had moments for sure where I think I'm making a decision based off intuition, but I get peer pressured into it in a way. So say it's like doing a, a rope swing, huge. you know, 100 meter rope swing or something. And I'm going, nah, guys, like I'm just not feeling it, you know? Like my, my gut, my intuition is saying not to do this. And then everyone talks you in and you go, okay, maybe I'll do it. You do it, it's fine. It's an amazing experience. You come out the other side, you're empowered. You go a few weeks later, you do something else that's beyond that. But like in that moment, you were, I was certain that that was my intuition speaking rather than fear, but it wasn't. So it's like... No, I'm on you. And I've, I've, I've literally, I'm changing my model just from what you've just said to remind me of what I used to, to, to say to, especially young athletes. Fear, mind, intuition, soul. Well, before in the podcast, I said they, it's two sides of the same coin from the same place. Incorrect. It's fear from the mind, obviously the fight or flight, sends chemicals down into the gut and almost like cancers any of the, the potential intuition. And then intuition coming from that gut space. So, um, And they have two separate voices. They talk differently. They've got a different, um, I guess, tone to them. And it's in the moment where, as you said, when you, it's like the fear mechanisms are just clouding your head, how quickly can you drop in? Mm. Right? And I've experienced this myself, again, through fear and, and intuition. And I just remember, I, oh, and it's funny, I always used to educate. It's like, get, become friendly with both voices, your mind voice and your gut voice. You know, there's a, the heart it just expresses if it's full, whatever. But just reminding me then that it's, it's, fear and at the moment when it comes to making a decision top of you know for jeremy jones i'm sure he drops in and just it's his gut or it's his head and if his head's like mm, you know it's fear of death as you said fear of the unknown uncertainty but his gut's like man you've got the skills you've done it before or you've you know you've obviously got past wins you know we've got efficacy here we can do this and then it almost sends those signals back up through the vagal, vagus nerve and into the into the mind to go calm the fuck down. We're good. Take a breath. Mm. We're going right, and that's super interesting. That I mean, I'm so glad that we got to that because now, as I said, I can really I can mind model it for myself so that I can use it as well to remind me that it is a separation and it's it's the we're top down or bottom up as mm. we were just saying before as well. And I, I, I love the fact that there's a that there's a, an opportunity there to separate the two. It's not coming from the one place. So we either drop in or, or we stay up in the clouds. Mm. And I wonder if, you know, if that aligns with kind of the way you were thinking. Yeah, for, that makes like, that lines up for sure. I just like, for me, I'm still in that process of deciphering between the two in the heat of the moment, you know, when, when it's jumping off the rocks and the surf's big and you've got to time your paddle out and you're going 
far out, maybe today's the day I'm going to get absolutely hammered, become one of those Instagram memes of the dude getting locked up on the rocks <laughs> or something. But like, they're the thoughts that go through my head, you know? And then it's, yeah, I, I'm still figuring out a way to, to decipher between the two, fear and intuition. And yeah, I guess like looking, looking at ways to, um, yeah, to figure out which one's which. I think it's a pretty instant, like, the soul is an unta- like a, a reservoir of never-ending energy, inspiration, um, insight. So I think it's as soon as you just drop in, I think it automatically will you'll feel, 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 feel. Because head's about think and obviously gut's about feel. So potentially in that moment, you've got the technique, you've got the breath, four, four in, eight out. And in that moment, try and get your, your, you know, your mind's eye into your gut and it's like, what are we doing? And then obviously just trust that. And, and the, the heart being the trust muscle is, okay, are we going to flex the trust muscle or are we going to flex the doubt muscle? Yeah. And I think trusting what Jeremy does and what he's explained so often is that it's about trusting that, you know, he trusts himself so deeply, deeply again, that he knows the two voices. So mm. in meditation, potentially you've got an opportunity now to, to have a conversation with both active meditation and just say, okay, mind, what do you sound like? You know, I guess, what do you like to say? What do you think? Where are you at? And gut, how do you feel? What do you sound like? And then potentially just getting really comfortable with the difference between both so that in that moment you can drop in within a second because obviously you've got a short amount of time to jump off those rocks and make a call. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge one for me over the next few years is is figuring out a way to to manage that because mm. it's so important right it's life and death really and you you don't want to become overconfident too because that's where you see a lot of mountaineers or riders you know like especially this year in in north america there were so many oh, avalanches so many. Yep. like which is just really scary and it usually comes down to that as you said that it's a moment an avalanche can happen in a moment where as you said you, you, your line's a little different you you, you were a little overconfident it's, it's not about trust. It's almost about like, it's not confidence. It's kind of boarding on arrogance. Mm. Like it spills and then the mountain spills. Yeah. So it's kind of like, how do you check yourself to be in that really, in that aligned zone? Because obviously the mind is, is arrogant. You know, the heart is confident. Mm. So when it goes into the mind space and goes, oh, cloudy. And, you know, you talk about ego. You know, how do you, how, how can you, or how can people out there just drop back in and and again we just talk about going from the head into the heart into the soul going back down not trying to figure it out up in the top mm. you know and it, the quicker you can do that and the more often you do it the more you're going to be able to trust and flex that trust muscle you know because everything is trust or doubt trust or doubt yeah. trust or doubt and it's plus one or minus one you know and a lot of people live in the minuses all the time yeah that was um in free solo when um alex goes up that first time then he decides you know no, I'm not feeling it. He gets like, you know, a tenth of the way up and just goes, no, something feels off, you know? And you see someone like that who's like so in tune with the goal at hand, but also like today's not the day or like you don't need to force that, especially when it's life and death, like in a situation like that. And that was quite, I don't know if empowering is the right word to say, but astonishing that he was so in tune with his body and his goal that he called it came down the mountain because you see in that world like when you're pushing your body to that limit it's like there's no room for error like you can't make a mistake 
any gap between the the gut and the mind, you know, you're done. And in that film, you you notice there he has I wouldn't I don't know if it's no fear, but it's not. It's he's actually ready to. He's enjoying. He's prepared again on that pyramid preparation execution. He knows what to execute step by step by finger by thumb hold. Isn't that amazing? Every hold he knows. Right. So that's ready. <laughs> so he goes out and executes, and he knows that if he's gonna if he's best prepped and he executes well, he can enjoy it. And in halfway up that climb, he's laughing, carrying on, holding on by a flipping hair. Like I, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> Just again, you mean you talked about being 480 or 280 up in, you know? <laughs> oh man, like after doing that climb we did the other day, I just, I watched Free Solo again and just my mind was blown even more. Yeah. Oh, it's, but it's. His mind doesn't, um, it doesn't sabotage him. And they prove that scientifically in that film that, you know, he doesn't have the, I think the amygdala that lights up when it goes through fear based yeah. experiences. That being said, the rest of us do. So how do we then, um, and it's not suffocate the fear or it's in acceptance and commitment therapy which is like a psychotherapy um called act it's recognizing that it's there and it's almost like saying okay cool man well you're in the car with me but i'm driving you're not driving this vehicle it's a right hand drive i'm in the right hand seat you just sit down and unless you're going to help me you're only hindering me so take a back seat Mm. but i know you're there to keep me safe right as we you know double back to the start of the conversation to keep me preserve, preserve my life. That's why you're here. You know, saber-toothed tiger, it's been in us for millennia. Mm. But you're not helping me right now. So there's practices where you can separate yourself and, and again, just accept that it's going to be with you. And like negative self-talk, it's always going to be with us, but it's whether or not we absorb it or accept that it's part of us. And then do we acknowledge it? Do we engage in it? Or do we know, you know what? No, we're going to look to the right. We're going to look straight ahead. We're going to look at our goals. And we're going to, again, we've looked at our past wins. We've got our confidence in the back, our trust in the back. We're going to move them to the front. We're going to put you in the back, put you in the boot, and and then move forward. Tie you down. Tie you down. Ropes and <laughs> tape. <laughs> yeah, dude. Mate, it's been an, um, as I said, I could continue this conference. Maybe we'll do a part two a little bit later on, but. I'm just going to finish off with two quick questions because we've talked about some incredible stuff. Um, question number one is if you could go back, we talked about you 10 years ago, what's something that you'd tell him to hold on to or to let go of? I would say stop worrying what people think of you and don't worry if you fail. That's, I think the fear of failure for me was so big and how people would view me if I failed. Like, do you know the um the the speech "Man in the Arena" by Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, we'll have a listen after, but it's amazing. It's pretty much talking about how it's easy to be the critic of someone in the ring who's doing the work, and oh, I do po- know the pointing out their thing. flaws and how often they're failing. And and that was a really big um. When I heard that, I got goosebumps, and I was like, you know, that's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of being the guy in the arena in the ring. And getting knocked out and people laughing and talking about me and, you know, how bad he was. And then once you get over the fear of that, kind of anything's possible, right? Like, it's just you then. You don't have to worry about the external head noise Mm. or what people think. So that would be my... Still dealing with it. It's not like I'm over it, but I'm so much more aware of how much that was controlling me. Whether it was like, you know, I had a lot of issues with how I looked when I was younger. Like, if I had bad skin at the time, I'd be like so self-conscious. And that was just so like, so based on what other people thought of me. 
Handing your power over. Yeah, I was handing it to the people around me. And I think once I took that leap and that step and going, it's kind of empowering being like, you know what? I'm going to fail. Like, I'm going to try and if I fail, then whatever. At least I gave it a crack. And that was like, yeah, that's been really big for me. Dude, this is number one. Everyone, listen up. It's learning and growth. These are your, I mean, part of our, our, I guess, one of our eight, you know, um, progressive identity elements, which is our basically our soul cut into eight, is growth, right? And you've tapped into that growth, learning. These are the some of your big parts, and you've understood that in the ring, that's where they live. You know, you can either sit on the sidelines and stay comfortable and fearful, those two, or I can get through the ropes, push through the fear, and all of a sudden I learn and grow and become everything I've always wanted to become. And yeah, sure, fear's going to yell at you from the crowd. They're going to want you to get smashed down to the floor. You know, comfort's there on its phone scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> you know. But you and, you know, learning and growth, title, mano a mano in there having a, having a title fight. And when you get knocked down, there is no fear. Fear's outside. It's outside the ring, right? You learn and you grow and you learn and you grow trading punches for the rest of your life. And this is kind of where you said you've come alive and that, that process of that, being able to just give that to your 10-year younger self and say, dude, fear and, and comfort, they're outside the ring, you know? It's, I, get, I have so many young athletes where they've got, sometimes they've got parents who are fearful. Oh, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know. And it's like they're projecting their own mm. inabilities to, to perform, their own inabilities to achieve on their kids. And it's like, nah, dude, you've just got to fan their flame. Be the safety net. They're going to learn. But understand that you've got to let them fight. Get in the ring and learn and grow and learn and grow and learn and grow. And you can be in their corner putting the chair down with the spit bucket. That's mm. what you do as a parent. You know, you yeah. support them. Take them to things. You know, pay for stuff if you've got the ability to do that. But your support and your inspiration and fanning the flame that they have within them, that's your job. Yeah. Right? And then, as I said, if you haven't got parents who do that as an athlete – You've got to be your own, like you've got to be your own corner. You've got to get in the ring like Guy was saying. Get in there. Use the support network. Network to great people. Get out there and discuss life and connect and and um, understand that, that even that's stepping in the ring. Putting yourself out there to go, hey, mate, I saw I loved your stuff. Oh, yeah, what's your name? Oh, my name's Guy. Oh, my name's Spenny. Yeah, good. Best mates. And, you know, you're, you're traveling the world together now. Yeah. But ultimately, that lo- that learning and growing is inside the ring, and you 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 cannot fail in there because failure's on the outskirts. And I oh mean, I'm I'm pumped with that answer. I'm so pumped. Um, fast forward ten years, right? Question for yourself: Look at where where do you hope to be in terms of a who you are, and then b what you do. If you can have anything, if I could have and be anything. anything. Um, okay. Where would I want to be in 10 years? I would love to be, you know, a world-renowned travel adventure photographer. That's the end goal. That's what I, that's what I want to do. That's where my heart is at the moment and passion. And that might change, but that's kind of what I'm chasing at the moment. And that's what drives me. And I want to show the beauty of this world and how humans interact within it and how we play with nature and to look after it, you know, ideally. Like, I don't... It's not a huge, I don't put that out there a lot in my work, but it's what I want to show, you know. I don't talk about that a lot, but I'm just trying to show off the beauty of this planet and what it has to offer and the opportunities it has for 
for humans to connect with nature. And that's been such a big thing for me. Like, you know, I mentioned I had dealt with anxiety and I still do a bit, but connecting with nature in a way that's, I was in New Zealand and a few years ago, I finished uni, did my trip. I was there solo for a few months. I didn't have a camera. I didn't have a phone. It was just me. And I felt this was kind of in the peak, peak of my insecurity and anxiousness. And I felt just unjudged by nature. Like I remember looking at the shadows of the mountains in Wanaka. Like I was up at Roy's Peak and I was looking across and there was light and darkness. And I remember being okay with being like insecure about myself and that things have imperfections. So that was the biggest thing. And yeah, okay, back to the question. It is, yeah, traveling the world and showing off the beauty of this earth and that it's okay to be imperfect, but we've got to look after it. And yeah. That ultimately comes through in your work there's no doubt about it. anyone who sees this stuff you'll understand what i'm saying there isn't you feel your work and that's what i love about what you shoot there's an there's an emotion to it and that's the best photography in my opinion you capture a moment in time but the way that it's presented through your eye through the work that you do in post there's the emotion so that comes through and i really truly believe that in the science of manifestation not so what I want you to kind of understand is there's three parts. There's worth, belief, courage. There's the three steps. Worth is am I worthy of it? And deep down you know because you've already asked yourself with, the, with the, um, the photography, the surf magazine cover. I'm excited. I'm inspired. I really want it. The but. It's a long way off but. This is a long way off but. Still the thing. So the belief is the worth is there. The belief is having a role model. Or someone that's already done what you're about to do so that you can then see it to achieve it. That might be, you know, like Burkhardt or it might be whoever that you aspire. Or if there's no one in your field that you're wanting to aspire to, you've got to find other pioneers that have led the charge. And then it's about the courage. We talked about the courage. And in order to show courage, you've got to tap into the soul, which is where you live. This is, I guess, you're, you're talking about anxieties in the head, courage in the soul, anxiety in the head, gratitude in the soul, anxiety in the head. It's about coming back and, and dropping in. And then there'll be little tests along the way. And the test is where how you test whether or not you've got the courage to push forward and whether you want what you want. The resolve is there for the thing that you want. And it sounds like that the goal is definitely very crystal clear. The vision, we've talked about vision all the way through. So if you can implement that, I guess, because one's there, if you implement step two and remember to make sure you continue to drop in like you do, it's there. 10 years, it might, not, it might not even take 10 years. You might be there a lot earlier than you think. Thanks, dog. Thanks for the chat. That was amazing. All right, all right. What did I tell you? What an absolute champion. Such a good man. Guy, thank you for your time, my friend, and thank you for providing such beautiful grounded insight into your work, into yourself, and just letting us in to learn a little bit more about how to live as authentically as you do uh, and i want to send the audience over to your instagram to check out this work it is as i said at the start mind-blowing it's gorgeous photojournalism g funk as he's affectionately known to his good friends g f u n k underscore is his instagram check it out give him a hello send him some love and uh, thanks again guy look forward to hanging soon brother This podcast is brought to you by MAPS Talent Ascension Program, the innovative new three-tier coaching program using our online Basecamp app 
weekly workshops, and one-to-one face-to-face coaching, including the fastest way to reduce stress and switch our limiting beliefs to unlimited, the incredible Psyche technique. The Talent Ascension program is a game changer, and that means life-changing for those who join us because what's more life-changing than bringing a vision to fruition? If you want to achieve your dream, reach out via the website, email, or DM on Instagram at M-A-P-P underscore L-I-F-E.